Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the new, I say new, the new look French Football Weekly podcast. Uh, you might have noticed that uh, I'm a new voice, but some of you might know me, some of you might not. But if you don't, my name is Chris uh, on Twitter as at AFCFreddy8, and I am your new host because uh, I've, given, I've given Phil... Uh, the chance to be a guest on a pod, which I know she enjoys a lot more. So I shall introduce her first. Good evening to you, Phil, or Philippa, which would you prefer? Phil is fine, and thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> this is much nicer. A pleasure, a pleasure. And uh, and of course, I can't leave out our other guest, uh, who I'm sure many of you will know by now, is the gentleman that is Rich Allen. Evening, Rich. Hello, hello. It's, uh, it's, um, I have to say, uh, off the, uh, on the outset, uh, straight away, um, thank you both for, uh, for scouting me. I know it was a very difficult process sitting through many wet, uh, drizzling nights um, with cold cups of coffee, watching me run aimlessly down the wing and only to fail to get the cross in. But my transfer fee was paid and here I am. So thank you both for uh, signing me up. Yeah, the FFW fax machine is still working. So there we go. <laughs> Oh, yes. And there is no buyout clause in my contract. I'm available on a free if I don't perform. So uh, no pressure there. Right. Um, thank you to everyone tuning in and uh, listening to the show. Welcome one and all. We've had some questions come in, which we'll get to from you lovely listeners later on. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run through some uh, some games from the weekend's Liga games uh, or results. We're going to have a little chat about some of those. Uh, we're also going to have a little natter about a fixture coming up next week. Um, and we've got a little bit of a debate as well. So plenty to get our teeth into so let's uh let's start with the games from the weekend then uh, phil i'll start with you we saw a thriller and um, between uh, ol or olympic Lyonnais to you and i uh as they hosted bordeaux um at the stade de lumiere which is what i'm going to call it because that's still what i like to call it um magnificent game some unbelievable goals we'll, we'll come on to that goal in a minute but um what, a, what an incredible game of football. 3-3 draw, a red card for, for Leon Sergi Darder as well, um, and two goals in the last minute, securing Bordeaux a very, very hard fought point away from home. What, what did you make of the, the performance as a whole from both sides? Uh, it, uh, I think we, we all kind of teed this game up as being potentially great fun uh, in the last pod, and uh, you know it really outdid our expectations with, obviously, such an amazing start with the Fekir scoring from the halfway line um, followed by a second for, for Tete and then just as everything was looking oh my lord Leona absolutely cruising you've got Dada sent off and very shortly afterwards uh, Bertrand Traore was very lucky not to follow him just uh, a matter of minutes later and that was what set up uh, the, the the free kick I think that, that led to, to Bordeaux's first as they started to kind of claw things back so it was absolute chaos really but I mean Several goals in that are going to be goal of the season contenders, but the first one, the Fekir strike, bang on the halfway line. Obviously, the halftime analysis from French TV was basically just watching it over and over again and going, oh, 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 and saying they clocked it at 89 kilometers per hour and things like that. I mean, it was just an unbelievable kind of opener um, that uh, really teed up a, an extremely fun game that uh, yes descended into chaos to a certain extent but that's you know great fun for the neutral 
Yeah, yeah, well said. And um, Rich, we, we have to talk about that goal, don't we, again? I think Phil summed it up rather nicely there. But it was, I think I loved about it for Kia's goal, of course, the, the strike was not just the distance, but the ability to hit a shot at such pace. It was it was more Xabi Alonso than it was David Beckham at Wimbledon all those years, wasn't it? It wasn't a floated shot. It was a, a driven um, angle drive. And I think the only way it could have been better is if it had gone in off the bar because uh, it sort of hits the bar <laughs> on the way back. But that, I love that noise and it hits the bar. But um, yeah, he's he looks a player reborn, doesn't he? The, the captaincy is is that the extra responsibility that's made him um, sort of look the player that he is this season already, or is it just the fact that he's actually fit again? Uh, it's a bit of both. Um, the, the captaincy has helped enormously. Um, I, along with many raised an eyebrow when it was announced that Fekir was going to be captain for the new season. Uh, I thought I'd rather him just focused on getting his form back after uh, the season out a couple of seasons ago and being nowhere near his best last season. Um, I thought giving him the captaincy as well, is that too much too soon? But he's loving it. Um, he's he's playing perhaps a slightly more deeper role than he, he previously played when he was more when he was at his best alongside Lacazette, um, the front three in front um, uh, allow him to drop a little bit deeper. Um, and I think actually, you know what, we've seen a, a rebirth of Fekir in that newer role. Um, but the finish was was unbelievable. I mean, it, it looked like he just side-footed it. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know, it was like almost... It was too casual, you know, it was from the halfway line. It was his weaker foot as well, I think. Exactly, and it was like, he's put no effort in that. He's just calmly, okay, Costil's off his line a little bit here. There we go, have that opening hey. goal, and it was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, post-match, they, they got Costil up for, for one of the interviews and basically showed him the replay, and you were kind of just going, wincing a bit and going, too soon? Because, um, oh, what can you say about that? There, there was also kind of the um, uh, contrast with, because, of course, Memphis did uh, a nearly from the halfway line lob against Toulouse. Um, was that end, end of last season? Uh, but that really was a kind of it floated over he saw Lafont well off his line and, and that was a real lob that was a kind of a Beckham-esque floated shot I mean this one went very fast so I mean it was a kind of a low a low shot from that distance it's unbelievable he managed to keep it keep it down at that level yeah, it was a terrific goal. I think the goal of the season sort of contender is, is well and truly won already. Although there were a, a notable uh, couple of other strikes in this game and, and over the weekend that might get into the list at least. And um, I'll just stick with you for a minute, Rich, on Bordeaux because obviously there were two teams in this contest. They showed real sort of strength of character to, to come back. Um, as Phil said, they, they were 3-1 down at one point and the game seemed to be sort of drawing to a conclusion with an acceptance that they would lose the game. Um, and then they found a, a sort of a second wind and uh, Jocelyn Govanek's men kind of pulling out all the stops and, and getting that late sort of dramatic finish to, to get the 3-3. Did they deserve it for you over the 90 minutes? And have you been impressed with them thus far? Um, I think they definitely deserved it. it Cliched as it, as, it, as it is to say, it was one of those games where neither team deserved to lose. Um, and it was... Wonderful to see another special, special goal um, to to seal the uh, the draw. Malcolm's when was it? Ninety first, ninety second yeah. minute, something like that. I mean, that on its own 
you'd be talking about as being a goal of the season contender, let alone the fact that there were one, two other goals that could well finish above that. Um, I've been quietly impressed. I was perhaps expecting a little more from Bordeaux. I had sort of hopes of and, and beliefs that, you know what, this is a team that could, if, if, if they can recruit well, um, they could be a team that could sneak that fourth spot, maybe. Um, I don't quite think they've shown that kind of form yet. Still obviously very early days. And they still need to recruit, I think, a little more. Um, keeping hold of Malcolm is absolutely vital. Uh-huh. Um, and, and today, I think the Bordeaux president, Stefan Martin, came out and said, we're going to ignore all offers for the player. Um, you know, our, our belief, our interest, um, an understanding with him and uh, with the club and the player is that he will stay for another year. So that's encouraging because, you know, what, uh, sorry, Bordeaux's chances of a, of a European place hinge on Malcolm performing at his best because if he performs at his best, they've got arguably one of the best youngsters in the league. So um, there's still a little work to do with Bordeaux, but, you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty solid start for them so far. Yeah, the one thing I would say, um, anybody that uh, knows me from any other podcast or Twitter, I'm a big fan of kits and um, Bordeaux's black and pink kit is special, mm-hmm. uh, I have to say. So they get my vote for that alone. But uh, yeah, they, they showed some real resilience to come back and get a point from this game and, and fair play to them. Uh, we will switch gears though and move on to uh, our next game of focus, um, which uh, Phil, I want to talk a little Etienne with you now um and of course i mean we won't we won't leave them out but um a three nil victory for st etienne yes listeners that's three goals in one game for st etienne not not in a month in one game um they've they've looked quietly impressive haven't they i mean it sounds like an obvious thing to say with a plus nine uh, sorry plus five goal difference and nine points from three games so three straight wins what what do you make of, of oscar garcia's sort of attempts to make st etienne Good again, or great again, maybe. Um, is it is it the change of shade of the of the jerseys? Is it the change no. of style? Is it the signings, or is it just pure luck? Or, or are you not convinced? Of course. Well, the the uh, a fellow kit fan, I do like the new colour. The deeper green is nice. I mean, I think what we've seen obviously is their first two games were one nil wins, which is kind of Saint Etienne's default binary mode that we're used to from last system uh, last season. But and obviously Amiens are. A newly promoted team and maybe struggling a bit to to, to get themselves together, and we're on the end of this three nil um, defeat. But I think Saint Etienne do look much more much more positive, much more attacking going forward. There's less negativity is maybe not the right word, but I think we saw under Galtier things were kind of blocking up a bit. Um, as we saw through last season where those binary results were getting extremely frustrating. It looks like they've got a bit more license to, to roam free and it's always nice to see Roman Amuma, uh, particularly roaming free. So I think it, it does look very positive. Obviously, they've got three wins out of three. They're yet to concede a goal. They do play PSG on Friday though, so that's going to be kind of a, a real test of, um, you know, has there been a qualitative change? Um, in them there. I think uh, Pierre Gabriel um, got some very good marks for his performance. Um, 
so they're still kind of bringing through the the, the young players as well as the the new signings. But you know, lovely to see Brian Darbo getting a couple of goals, and yeah, Roman Hamuma being his his uh, you know as good as he can be, which is really great to see again. So it's going to be interesting when they get into the the tougher games uh, to see whether they can keep this keep this up. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And Rich, from your perspective, um, sort of bringing both teams into focus in this game, it won't surprise too many to see St Etienne win win the game. I think it's clear that, that Amiens are going to struggle this season. I think that's probably fair. Do you expect both sides to be active, sort of coming to the close of the window, whether that be strengthening with uh, a couple of loan signings, for example, or, or do you think that there might be a few coming out of both sides? I mean, there's a few players that may command some interest, particularly on Sinatian side. But do you expect them both to be active uh, looking ahead to the end of the window? Um, I don't anticipate Saint-Étienne to be too active. I think Oscar Garcia has now got a squad that resembles something that he wants. Um, really impressed with, with, with the way that he's got them playing. Um, a complete breath of fresh air after the sort of stagnation that they seem to be suffering under under Gautier towards the end of his tenure with the club. Um, so really encouraging to see that he's got them both defensively drilled still, um, which was obviously was the hallmark of, of the Gautier era, but has also got them going forward um, and, and thinking, as, as Phil said, more positively. Um, Personnel-wise, it, it's, it's a much nicer, much fresher, much more... Um, free-thinking midfield than the sort of stodgy um, uh, midfield trios that we've seen, we, we saw previously under Gautier with the likes of Lemoyne, Clermont, Cornier, Pajot. Um, it, it just means that, 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 that they can, I've used this term before with, with this, this new look, Santetian. it just looks like everyone's been led off the lead a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't anticipate them to be too active um, in the next week or so that we've got left. Amiens, on the other hand, I think need to have a look at, they need goals. You know, they, they've gone three games now without scoring. They hit the, they hit the woodwork twice in the game against Saint-Étienne, one of which was incredibly unlucky. Um, a, a fantastic strike that, that hit the, um, bounced off the, the crossbar, but they need some experience. They need some league and experience. They brought in Matthew Bobmer, who will bring that, but they need more. Um, I don't know where their goals are going to come from. I, and, and, you know, if you're in that kind of a problem, you're going you're gonna to be struggling. You, know, you really are. And the, I'm bringing out all the cliches tonight, but you get a striker who can score you 15 goals, even 10 goals, you've got to hope we're staying up. Look at Dijon last season with Lois Bioni, who's obviously now at Saint-Étienne. He bagged 12 or 13 goals, I think. That's all that was needed. And that was enough then to keep Dijon up. You know, Amiens have shown in glimpses, I thought they were actually, in the opening sort of 10, 15 minutes or so against PSG, they actually looked pretty decent uh, and fairly organised, but they just don't seem to have that incisive cutting edge that's needed to, to convert those chances that will ultimately get them the points that would hopefully see them stay up. 
Yeah, yeah. What they clearly need is uh, is, is a Riviere from Newcastle. No, no, that's not what they need at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, it's my obligatory mention for him. Yes, I, I do agree. I think for any small side, I think even when you're looking at other leagues around the world, I look at someone like a, a Brighton, for example, you, you need a goal scorer in whatever league you play in when you come up from a, a, a league below. And if you don't have that, I think you are going to struggle. And the same can be said for the three promoted sides in, in Liga this season. But um, one side that shouldn't be struggling, Phil, is, is Lille, um, who we will have a, a little word about here. We're not going to focus too heavily on the match with with Khan at the weekend because it, it wasn't a barn burner by any stretch of the imagination, but it was again two uh, nil at home at this time, um, and um, two I mean, two sort of poorly defended goals. A Lille side that have got so many new signings, it's hard to know sort of where the continuity is. We we obviously mentioned last week's show with the situation with the goalkeeping was just bizarre. Um, I mean, where where do we look at Lille? Where do we gauge them at the moment? Because as you said pre-pod, Bielsa usually starts strong and, and falters. This season, it's not really started well, has it? Yeah, it's it's kind of faltering from the off. I mean... I think I mentioned last week when we were looking at the kind of the roundup of the the window so far for each team, my notes for, for Lille just read Bedlam. I mean, there's been so much moving about and, uh, you know, the formation has changed. Um, you know, we've got a different goalkeeper in this week, obviously, after the, the, the chaos last week um, with Magnon being sent off. So it was coffee and goal with, you know, a kind of three, five something man defence. Balotoria at left back has been taken off in both games now, I think, for not cutting it. And just looking, because I didn't watch this match, so I was kind of wondering what the hell had happened. Um, and looking at the, the stats, I mean, Lille had all the possession, they had good pass completion, they had the majority of the shots, and Cole just seemed to have nipped through somehow and, and, and put this together. So if, you know, if you going to defend badly and let people hit you on the break out of nowhere then that's one thing if you're also not going to be putting the ball in the net I mean it's it it looks a very disjointed collection of individuals at the moment rather than a team now whether Bielsa is going to be able to forge that you know obviously he's uh, a, a renowned coach you would expect he will be able to but he's kind of got to do that quite quickly to stop this from um getting more problematic i think yeah well said and what's what's your views on it rich i mean some people tipped leo to even make a title challenge this season i have to say i was not one of them um but uh is, is it chaos or breeds contempt is it organized chaos is it i mean what what is it it's just a collection of lots of talented players no doubt but there just doesn't seem to be any organization in that side at the moment um, it, it's chaos, uh, and I can't work out whether it's organised or not. Um, their opening win over over Nantes seemed to, to to show a team of brand new players who Bielsa had worked wonders on in developing a. You know, they'd all they all seem to know. You know they got the understanding, which was remarkable considering, as I say, there's so many new players brought in over the summer. Last two games, we've seen. Actually, you know what? That was a bit of a fluke. And there is a lot of work that still needs to be done. You can't just bring in a whole load of players, chuck them on the pitch together and just hope that they all gel. Um, you know, even Bielsa, for, for all his 
acclaim that he brings can't do that. Um, my concern is the number of players he's it's the number of players he's brought in, and then the number of very senior players, very established players that he said, I don't want anything more to do with you. You're not going to be playing. You're not going to be part of my squad. And it's just frozen out. You know, what has, what has Vasant and Yama done wrong in the last four or five seasons with Lille? He's arguably been one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the league. Okay, it wasn't his best season last season, but was he deserving to be, you know, carted out so quickly? They're in desperate need of a striker. They've got Ed Air sitting there. Okay, he's not the most prolific, but he'll get you seven, eight, nine goals. At the minute, I don't see who's going to get them seven, eight, nine goals. De Preville, who's arguably their best player, they're seemingly you know, open to negotiation for him leaving. So, as ever with Bielsa, it seems that he's come in with his own ideas and no one seems to have the, the sort of balls, if you like, to stand up and say, actually, you know what, Marcelo, that might not be the best idea. Let's have a think about what the, the long-term and mid-term you know, outcome of, of your madcap ideas will be. But no, he's gone in, he's decimated the squad, he's brought in all these new players. Um, and it's at the minute, it's looking like a project with no real direction, which is obviously very worrying um, for, for the club but also for the, um, the man in charge of all the money. So it, I, don't, I don't know where this goes. This, as I think I said previously on, on, I can't remember where I've said it, but I know I've said it. This is a project that's going to be a very, very slow, but this is not going to be a project that breeds instant success. If they're adopting this strategy of young, arguably unheard of players, it's not going to be instant success. They've got to make sure they get their scouting right. There'll be a few duds. It will take time. It's whether the new owner, and um, more to the point, whether Bielsa wants that time. Because yet again, as we saw last time he was in Liga, Patrice Garonda's done a number on him. Yeah, big time, big time. And, and just looking at that squad, I mean, of the 21 players I'm looking at listed as either forwards or midfielders, only three are 26 or above. Um, and that's another issue you're going to have when you've got so many young players that, you know, young players are patchy with form and, and they will drift in and out of form and their development will take time. And when you've got a midfield of, I mean, arguably the two most talented midfielders they've got in Checker and Tiago Maia, 20 and 22, it's a hell of a lot of pressure on two kids to, to really step up this season. But um, um, nevertheless, we'll... And I think um, Benzia went off uh, late, leaving them down to 10 men for the last couple of minutes with what looked like a hamstring strain. And I think he's doubtful. Uh, they're not quite sure what that's like. So obviously that would be another hole in uh, in that uh, kind of squad list um, mm. if, if he's not available again at the weekend. Or, or an improvement, arguably. But that's yeah. a story for any day. <laughs> I'm, I'm being harsh, of course, but um, never been quite convinced. The talent's there, but... 
just never been quite convinced. But uh, yes, um, Project Neil rumbles on. Um, and as for Khan, uh, well done them, basically. A very, very good performance from them. And they took advantage of the of the chaos. Uh, I, shall, I think we shall call them Chaos Leal from now on. It fits quite well. Uh, let's um, finish up with our sort of final focus game, if you will, from the weekend. Um, and uh, I suppose we had to focus on it, didn't we, really? PSG 6 to lose 2. Uh, Rich, thoughts? Crazy game. Absolutely crazy game. Um, it's, it's, the, well, it's the second game running that there was uh, an element of fortune for PSG getting into it. They fell behind to a well-taken uh, Max Aran Gradel uh, goal. Good to see him back in, in Liga. Um, it, it took a, a fortunate parry off a, off a Rabiot shot for, for Neymar to get the opener. And then from then on in, it just all went a bit bonkers, really. We had, they quickly then took the lead through, through Rabiot. And then um, Neymar decided second half and towards the end of the game, he was going to have a bit of fun. And uh, brought out the bags of tricks. Brought out one of the most insane corner. It was a, I don't even deem it as a corner. It was a beautiful pass for the Kazawa goal. Um, if you can, if you can see the goal and the, the the view from behind Neymar as he takes it, you will not see a more perfectly pinged sort of definitive pass. I mean, there's no doubt he meant it. He saw Kazawa. He meant that as a perfect pass to pick him out. I mean, because oh, I did incredibly well with the acrobatic finish. But my goodness, if the, you know, we've we've seen in two games now. I mean, this game more than the Gangol game. Just what Neymar can bring, and you know, I, I wasn't a big La Liga watcher, so you know, I only saw brief highlights of how good Neymar was. But to see him now in ninety minutes. It's it's quite frightening, I think, and I I sit here as a watcher, not a, not even one of the defenders that he's going to be coming up against. It's frightening how good he really is. Yeah, took advantage of uh, of some some poor Toulouse defending. They kind of folded field, didn't they? I mean, they they looked really impressive for long spells of that first half, and when they had the lead, I think it was key that they got to half time with the lead, and they didn't, and then it all just went a little bit wonky, didn't it? Yeah, um, particularly because obviously PSG played the last twenty odd minutes down to ten men. After yeah. I mean, we, we always joke when Marco Verratti gets a, a yellow card, it's like, okay, who had thirty six minutes in the sweepstake? Come to the front, hand in your ticket, because it it's one of the one of the things you're used to seeing. He's been getting earlier with his bookings. He managed to pick up three in his four competitive matches. He was going to be banned at the weekend, I think, anyway. But then he got a second yellow. So around about 70 minutes, he's off. It's 2-1 to PSG. And you're thinking, come on to lose. Now at least, you know, give it, give it, uh, give it something to try to get back into this. Now you've got a man advantage. And then they, PSG managed to score four goals. Um, with a man disadvantage so it is kind of frightening i do wonder obviously we kind of laugh about dupraz's um some of his public statements he's very good with the media his jokes about karazak etc and saying in advance of this game you know we need god to be on our side basically you might laugh and say well that's you know he's he's being reasonable he's, he's making a joke he's he's being he's being practical but maybe we need somebody to actually stand up to PSG and say, we're not scared of you. And that's going to be extremely difficult 
but I think somebody needs to do it because Toulouse did kind of fold. They did it first in the first half, conceding two in four minutes um, to, to go behind, having taken the lead. And then in the second half, that last 10 minute spell was just complete chaos. They didn't know which way was up. So it's going to take an awful lot of concentration and an awful lot of balls um, to stand up to PSG this season, clearly. But somebody has to do it or this is just going to get ridiculous. Yeah, I do do wonder if uh, if it's going to be sort of Monaco or someone else who can can live with them. But um, we will uh, we will discuss PSG in a little bit a uh, little bit more depth in a second. But yeah, nevertheless, um, a six-two battering, and it, it was a battering in the end. And some wonderful got Javier Pastore's goal, by the way. I know oh. Neymar's was sensational because ours was was brilliantly executed. But Pastore is such a wonderful player to watch. Um, and it, it almost makes me a little bit upset that he's not the main man at PSG because I just think if he was the main man somewhere, if he could stay fit, of course, which is a big if, but he's such a wonderful player to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, what a what a wonderful goal that was. But yeah, crushing victory for PSG. And of course, that uh, leaves them in uh, in pole position in Liga, as everyone expects. But well, there we go. We'll run through just very quickly the other results from the weekend. Uh, Monaco with a 1-0 victory over Mets away from home. Um, just cover your ears, but Falcao with the winning goal in that one. Uh, Montpellier drawing with Strasbourg, 1-1. Uh, probably a better point out for Strasbourg. Sardi with a, a goal for Strasbourg and Congrès equalising with uh, what, 20 minutes to go for Montpellier. Nice with a, a much-needed victory of a, a gangomp. Uh, goals from Alisson Player and Remy Volta, who uh, celebrated running off with his tag hanging out of his shirt. I noticed that was quite amusing. Uh, Ren and Dijon. Uh, Rich, 2-0 uh, up. 2-2. Um, Whoopsie-daisy. Mubele mm. uh, with two goals. And then uh, uh, Chan Hoon Kwon with one back and Julia Tavares with a last-minute penalty to uh, thoroughly ruin Rich's evening. 2-2 draw there. <laughs> And uh, Trois, despite their good starts to the season, lost at home to Claudio Ranieri's Nantes. Salah with the winning goal there, despite being down to 10 men from the 35th minute onwards. And then on Sunday, the only other result we didn't touch on was Marseille, uh, spectacularly um, letting everyone down as usual. <laughs> Clinton and G with the opening goal. Uh, Toko Kambe with the equaliser for Angers. Uh, Lucas Campos sent off in the last minute for Marseille in uh, what will be looked at is a result um, that's all too familiar for Marseille, dropping points at home, um, having been on top for long periods. So we won't bother going through the table at this stage because we only played three games. It really isn't a lot of point, but we will just very quickly look at League Dirt as well. Uh, are the opening sort of uh, pace setters, four games, four wins. Nice for them, as are Ram, who've done the same, both with 12 points from their opening four games. The mighty, mighty Lorient, that's just what we will call them from now on, uh, my boys, they are uh, currently in third, along with Ajaccio and Neil and Sosho, all on eight points. Uh, and it's not been a good start to the season for the bottom three. Tour and Lens have lost both, or sorry, all four, I should say, of all their opening games. Oops. And uh, Kiveli Ruan, which I probably butchered. I always say that wrong. But so uh, they've only got two from their opening four games as well. They're also down at the bottom. Uh, Rich, did you want to give us there's a couple of games have played this evening uh, in the uh, Coupe de la Ligue, I believe. Did you want to get this the results for those games? Uh, well, yeah, we've only we've got one. Um, I think it's ah one result. Lorient yeah. win. Yes, Lorient yes. have won three two over Lens. All of all five goals coming in the first half. Lorient, in fact, going three nil up. Lens then doing their best to to come back a bit. Nothing in the second half. So Lorient are through. Um, we've got the other four games uh, in this second round. 
there are, sorry, the other five games in the second round. We've got four ongoing at the moment, uh, including Red Star, who are the last remaining national side, who are away at Gazalika Jatio. Uh, so we've had some goals so far as they're coming to end of the first half. Nancy Orléans are 1-1. Uh, Clermont are 1-0 up away at Paris FC. Uh, Tourlave and Gaz Red Star both nil nil and Valenciennes Reims is going to be kicking off at nine local time so in about 15 minutes good times and uh, good to see Lorient winning again and another goal for Jimmy Cavo I, I do love Jimmy Cavo he's uh, I think he's probably the only professional footballer shorter than me I think possibly uh, and believe me I am no professional anyone see me play can tell you that much so uh, that's the Coupe de la Ligue obviously early stages but we'll keep you across the, uh, the games and all the cup competitions as well so uh, we're just going to have a quick look ahead to uh, the weekend upcoming then um, and pick out a, uh, a game to look look to. Um, I think it's fair to say, Phil, the Friday night game is the one yeah. where we're keeping tabs on PSG St Etienne. So what do you expect? I think it's, and we're keeping tabs on it not just because it's PSG, it's because, as we said earlier about St Etienne and whether that new project is is coming, uh, sort of going to come to fruition, that it's interesting because of the opponents as well. So obviously PSG have been smiting all asunder so far. Saint-Étienne yet to concede. I think that's going to change, but it looks like Saint-Étienne might have some moxie to be able to, to, you know, at least make it interesting. Now we saw, obviously it was 6-2 against Toulouse. I mean, the two may not sound great in that context, but you know, they did concede. So if uh, Saint-Étienne can, you know, keep it together, keep that defensive stability and, and try to be a bit more positive play on the front foot, could they keep it interesting? Now, obviously, the history of this match um, has got some very, very big scorelines for PSG. I think Stéphane Ruffier must be fed up of the sight of those shirts coming towards him, and now Neymar's wearing one of them. If he has a bad game, this could be horrendous. If he keeps it together, they might have a fighting chance of, you know, at least as I say, keeping it interesting. I'm not sure we can hope for much more than that, which seems very depressing to say, but, you know, um, they are the team that look like they could make this an enjoyable game rather than uh, a kind of a more depressing one, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, the, I think it probably is the, the standout fixture of the weekend, but uh, Rich, it would be unfair not to give you an opportunity to give us an alternative uh, to that game. Is, is there any other games that you're sort of keeping a close eye on? Um, I think probably almost equal billing. Co-headliner for the weekend, maybe. We've got, obviously, PSG, Saint-Étienne opens things up Friday night, and then to close us off, Sunday night, final game, Monaco v Marseille. Mm-hmm. Um, always always big games. Um, Monaco have, have, well, I mean, they've, they've won three from three, but they, they seem to have won three from three without actually hitting arguably anything near their top top gear, really. I mean, comfortable win over Dijon, but Dijon gave them a scare a little bit. Certainly Toulouse in the opening game did, and it was only a, uh, a second-half goal from Falcao that sealed the points against Mets. So I think they've Thomas, really not hit top gear. I they, think the, 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 the Mets goal, I think, was their latest opening goal since, like, you know, early last season or maybe even last year mm. it was um so Mets did do a decent job in the first half and then kind of got knackered towards the end I think so um yeah it's going to be very interesting to see if Monaco 
do hit their stride properly, particularly as OM appear to be having a few little conniptions of their own. So, yes, that will be a, an interesting top and tail to the weekend, those two games. Yeah, yeah, it's a decent, uh, decent couple of games, as you say, Rich, to start and finish the weekend with as well. It's a nice, nice touch. Uh, elsewhere, Amiens host uh, Nice this is on Saturday. Bordeaux play Trois-Carn, Metz, Dijon, Montpellier, and Toulouse-Rennes are the Saturday games with the Sunday game kicking off with Gangomp, Strasbourg, uh, Angers host Lille. So see how Bielsa gets on there. Uh, and as we said, Monaco finished the weekend against Marseille. So that's the uh, fixtures upcoming for the weekend. We'll of course be across those next week. So we're uh, before we take some questions, we're um, just going to ask Phil for a Euro star, and then we're going to have a little little debate, just a sort of mini debate, which we're going to try and factor into the show each week. So, uh, Phil, our Euro star, basically a player that we think is worth keeping an eye on this weekend. Um, so, who's your player, and why do you think we should keep an eye? Well. It's the first time we've done this. I've cheated a bit. But um, if we're looking at the Friday night game, PSG, Saint-Étienne, obviously there's this young Brazilian guy who's pitched up who seems quite nippy. But joking aside, there's two players for Saint-Étienne who I think is worth keeping an eye on, assuming they both start. One of which is Lois Diani, who we mentioned a bit earlier, who was at Dijon last season, got um, 11 goals for them and eight assists. He was really, really instrumental in, in keeping them you know, keeping them up uh, and, and played really well. has been taken on by Saint-Étienne. After two sub-appearances, he, he started for the first time um, against Amiens. He hasn't scored yet, but if, uh, you know, as I say, PSG are going to be perhaps uh, get-attable at the back in between their uh, frantic forward movement, then, you know, I really think he, Dioni has got a really good chance of... of becoming a very good player for Saint-Étienne. So I, I want to keep an eye on him, but also Brian Darbo, uh, defensive midfielder, but he can play anywhere, as we found for Montpellier, uh, who he was with for several years. He wasn't used much last season, but he's played the 90 minutes all three times so far under, under Oscar Garcia. He got two goals against Amiens, which is, you know, the, the way he celebrated those is wonderful. He's a really good player. He's an amazing character. And I think he's going to be also key to see what Saint-Étienne can do against, against PSG. So Darbo and Diani are my two Eurostars uh, to keep an eye on on Friday night. Brian, Brian Darbo also has on to be one of my favourite Twitter handles as yes. well. <laughs> go, go on, Rich. What is it? Dabs Perestroika. Which he, I, ah, he is a, fan he, of, fan he's of, a great chap. <laughs> He's obviously a fan of um, Soviet politics. Fan of open, openness and honesty. Openness and honesty. <laughs> he's yeah. He's a he's a great character. Um, yeah. And God bless him for it. And there you go, listeners. Um, for the very first Eurostar of the season, uh, Phil has advised everyone to keep an eye on the double Ds. So you've heard it here first. Uh, right, Davo and Diony are the ones to watch. Uh, next week, I'll accept none of this double dipping. You have one and one only. So that's your one warning. Um, but you're allowed to on the opening day. Right. Uh, we're just going to uh, just going to splice in a very quick debate then. Um, and uh, we're calling this segment Le Grand Debat, which is uh, the grand debate in English. Um, that's a terrible French uh, accent there, but you know, you can stick with me. Um, what we want to do each week is just, just take a, a very short subject and just have uh, both panellists sort of views on that subject and just kind of chew it over. So it's a bit of an obvious one I've picked for the opening pod, but 
but uh, hey, it's the one everyone's talking about. So, uh, Rich, I will start with you. And the, the focus of topic this week is, is Liga. Is it all about Neymar this season, or do we need to dig a little deeper? Um, it's, it's a very good question. I think, in all honesty, yes, it probably is going to be all about Neymar. Um, you know, we'll have the fans of Liga who sort of stuck with it through the real, real tough times of not many goals, not very many, not particularly entertaining football. Um, you know, they, they will they will come no matter what. This season, we're going to be, you know, the league's going to be attracting a new kind of fan. Neymar has jumped ship from Barcelona, and according to all reports, that's a thing that just nobody's allowed to do. But uh, he's he's done it. Um, and with that, then, is going to come the, you know, those Barcelona fans, those Neymar fans, those Brazil fans, those those who just want a bit of intrigue as, you know, okay, is he going to fall flat on, flat on his face? Is it going to be this absolute walkover? Is he, you know, is this going to be a, a mistake almost? Or, you know, oh, how's he going to get on in a, you know, are we going to see even more exciting football from a supposed, quote-unquote, inferior league? So I think, yes, by and large, it probably is going to be about Neymar. But what I'm hoping is that by him joining and bringing all those new viewers to the league in, they're then going to experience something different. You know, not many, not many new fans will have seen some of those Toulouse players. And, okay, they perhaps didn't put in the greatest of performances, but they may come away thinking, well, you know what, Ace Diop looks a pretty good player. You know, they may have, you know, made on, on Friday night, they may come away, if they listen to Phil as well, come away thinking, you know, Brian Darbo, he's a really, really good utility player, you know. Start, you know, basically just bring that, that, intrigue to, to newer teams, newer players. So Neymar will attract all the attention and that may frustrate fans of the league who've, who've stuck with it through thick and thin over the last few years. But I think he's opened a door, if you like. So what I'm hoping is that enough people come through that door and can come away thinking, you know what, we were wrong about Lee Young. So that's my hope. Whether that comes to fruition, we shall see. Yeah, yeah, here, here. And from your point of view, Phil, I mean, we, we saw there was more focus on Liga last season, mainly because of that Monaco side and, and the things they did in the Champions League. I think they really gripped the attention of people who'd never even watched French football for, for a long period of time. Is it a case that PSG have brought eyes back to Liga? But, all, you know, is, is it all, like we said to Rich, is it going to be that focus on Neymar? And is that going to, in a weird way, it will draw the eyes to the league, but will it draw the eyes to only PSG or will sort of few people dip in and dip their toe in the water and go actually I might pick a team and, and follow a team as well as watching the superstar player well I hope that is the case as Rich said that maybe some people end up adopting to lose or, or something like that as a result but it's not just the danger that people watch Ligue 1 just to watch PSG they might watch PSG just to watch Neymar we've been saying over the past couple of years when talking about PSG and being you know when we do occasionally get generous to PSG that sometimes you can feel a bit sorry for them that they can't win for losing as it were that if they beat a team everybody goes oh yeah of course they should beat them they've got all that money so if they hammer that team then it's like well of course they should be doing that we want them to play exciting and interesting football and when they do that it's everybody goes oh yeah they should be doing that they can't ever exceed the expectations and obviously Neymar's come in with his price tag and being one of the best players in the world he's got what three goals and three assists in two games it's you know he can't possibly keep 
well, that feels a bit like what we were saying about Monaco scoring last season, but he can't possibly keep that up for the entire season, can he? You know, is he ever actually going to be able really to impress, given that the uh, expectation is so huge on what he's he's going to have to be magic and an artist and beautiful every week you know if he has one bad game what what the hell happens then it's a very strange kind of situation that this focus on him has has caused obviously there is more to Liga. obviously there's loads of us watching all of the other games that, that a lot of people you know won't pay any attention to but this focus this such concentration on him is going to be a, a very interesting thing to watch and might be quite kind of unnerving at times i think the the, the weight of expectation put on him so yeah going to be interesting obviously you know it's going to be the champions league that is the, the key thing so that's going to be another uh, amazing sort of uh, uh, concentration and focus that's going to be on them as you know when we find out is it Thursday or Friday we find out who they're in a group with and then take it from there but it is uh, I in a sense also being generous feel a little bit sorry for the guy who looks baffled by some of what's going on around him frankly but um, you know he's going to have to be uh, an artist every week which he is maybe but it's a hell of an expectation to put on put on somebody i think isn't it just yeah and i don't know if you guys know this but have you heard about the the neymar laces have you heard about this no no so uh my good friend joel um who i also podcast with a big fan of la liga and uh neymar attracted a lot of criticism in that he has a, a certain habit of promoting his football boots on the pitch in televised games rather a little obviously in that he at certain times when the camera is uh sort of the ball's out of play there's a bit of dead play or you know there's a bit of a lull in the game he happens to bend down and tie his laces which of course automatically means that the camera focuses in on him and indeed on his boots and uh, that gets him a little bit of extra publicity so if you're watching any psg games on friday night for example just have a look and see how many uh, cutaways to neymar's boots there are I I did wonder why uh, why there was some talk of that on Twitter, and I now realise why. Well, we'll have to see if he turns up in the Nivea for Men adverts, which are all over French TV, and frankly, hilarious. uh, Yes, because that's the PSG big commercial tie-in is deodorant and face cream. Well, it can it can it can can add to the game of you know choose your minute when Verratti's first yellow card will come in. And choose a minute when first laces will be tied up. Yep. There you go. You could have bingo. I, I hope those Nivea adverts are better than the Liverpool ones, by the way, because they are horrendous in the UK. So, um, yeah, I hope they're better than that. But, yes. Um, and at the end of the day, Neymar, he's no Stefan Givash. So we'll leave that there. Um, anyway, let's uh, finish with some questions then from uh, our lovely listeners. Uh, if you have a question or if you have a view on our, our debate for this week or any other topic, you can, of course, tweet the show and we'll do our best to focus on uh, a few of them each week. Uh, you can find us at French FT Weekly on Twitter. Uh, Rich, what have we uh, what have we had in the mailbag then? What, what's, uh, who's asking what? Um, it's, it's all about Mbappe. Surely um, not. Um, the the, the common theme seems to be um, uh, well combination of two things really it's one where does he fit into a PSG side that already has 
Neymar, Cavani, Di Maria, Draxler, Pastore, etc., etc. Um, so there's 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 that second part of it. Then is how that deal will look. Um, all sorts of talk about PSG trying to bypass FFP rules by looking to do it as a loan deal for a season, um, and then looking to you know committing to buying him next summer. Will Lucas Moura form as part of that? Will Fabinho form as part of that further still? So, what, what I suppose the, 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 the two questions are, where does Mbappe fit into the PSG starting 11, if indeed he does? And second of all, um, what do we think will happen to PSG if a, or PSG and Monaco, if a move like that comes off? Phil, take it away. Oh, um... <laughs> I'm kind of, the window is so strange. It used to be that you said we wouldn't believe it until we saw the player holding the shirt and then that whole Stefan Courtier, uh, Sebastian Courtier to Lille thing happened twice and it all, we couldn't even rely on that. So Mbappe's situation, I mean, where does he fit in? Well, w- with difficulty given, you know, who, who else they've got in there, if you spend however much he's going to cost, and I can't see this being a loan deal. I mean, Monaco aren't going to stamp for that surely if they were going to to sell within the league um you know you if you put him on the left Neymar in the middle Cavani up front I mean it it kind of works but it's it it just feels like there's a massive clump of players you can't drop all in roughly the same area of the pitch so I don't know is is the honest answer I will wait to see the man holding the shirt preferably not next to a statue of a large dog (laughs) <laughs> I, I made the um, I made the suggestion on Twitter last night, which uh, I don't think went down um, with, with too much affection, but I, I stand by it. I think if PSG can get Mbappe and Fabinho, that's the key thing there. If they can get both, I have them as favourites for Champions League. And I, I know that's a real sort of big sweeping statement because Real Madrid look pretty invincible. I'm sure Barcelona will sort their you know, various issues out at some point. I'm sure Man City will uh, will tease us all and then ultimately fail again. Um, Bayern Munich probably come back stronger, but I just feel that PSG have got everything needed. Defensively, there's still questions without yeah. any shadow of a doubt. Um, but when you've got that forward line, why have defenders? I mean, uh, as an Arsenal fan, I know all about um, going all out attack and not playing defenders, but it doesn't really work for us because we haven't got three of the best players in the world up front. But um, if you've got that, then arguably, could you not just say, well, you score four, we'll score five? Well, not, don't know if it'll work, but, you know. You know I, there's, there's too many issues with the, the defence, I think, is, is, is my issue, as it were. Um, mm. So it's very easy to say, yeah, we'll score five, but we saw what happens when, when the PSG defence has one of its moments last season and at the highest level, they they need something back there, surely, um, rather than more firepower up front. If you can't fit all the bullets in the gun, you know, it's it's um, it does seem a little unbalanced. I mean, given their model, you see that if they think they can get Mbappe, they have to buy him. I kind of understand that, but that's not a footballing thing. That's a commercial thing. Mm. Um, but surely they have to, they've got, you know, a week and a bit to do something about the defence. Yeah, I'd be some cover. 
I had one quick sub question I wanted to ask you, Rich, on this one as well. Does um, Mbappe's obviously had this falling out with with Andrea Raji in in training? Does um does this give a a small glimpse into maybe a character we haven't seen in Mbappe? I mean, obviously, he captured everyone's heart with his um you know this smiley persona and this carefree attitude to loving football last season. He, he tore up every every team he played on the pitch seemingly when he got his chance last season. But is this maybe just that, that what I like to call Nicholas Anelka syndrome um, <laughs> in that there is a bit of a stroppy teenager underneath. He's isolated himself in training apparently if rumours are to be believed. And essentially now, I think he didn't he tweet three day weekend last week when he was dropped. Well, I, think, the squad. I think that was actually a, a, a parody account in the end. Ah, uh, was it? What's, what's, in, what's interesting, what's interesting to see is, Monaco have, have, have tweeted out a very um, PC picture of, conveniently, all-in-one picture, Mbappe, Fabinho, Lamar, Raji, hmm. in training, all laughing, all smiling, all having a whale of a time. So they're obviously putting things out there to try and contradict these rumours that there is trouble in the camp. There's been footage, uh, there was footage released of a training session with Fabinho storming off because apparently there was a falling out with, with Mbappe. So there does seem to be a bit of a, a theme starting to come up with all these stories because there's, there's, no, there's been no definitive proof. It's all speculation at this stage. But whether it's the media just thinking, well, actually, you know what? Monaco and PSG aren't giving us anything. So let's just try and stir that pot a little bit. Let's try and create a little bit of fury. So... I'm not sure. Mbappe seemed at the start of the summer to be a young player with his head very much in the right place. The, the words coming out from him, the words coming out from Monaco, all seem to tot up and result in that actually, you know what, Mbappe knows what he's doing. He's got a World Cup at the end of this season. He knows the best place for him, Monaco. All of a sudden now, all this money's being talked. It's obviously going to affect him. He's, he's, he's you know, he's, only, re, you know, only quite recently in the grand scheme of things, turned 18. He's only had one major season of professional football. He's, got, he's going to be affected by all of this. It's, he's done remarkably well, I think, actually, to stay as level-headed as he has done for yeah. so long. Mm. So uh, I, I perhaps just cut him a little bit more slack because of, you know, no teenager has ever ever come under this level of scrutiny and these kind of transfer numbers being bandied about. So we're into a whole new world now of transfer figures. So I think if he has to blow off steam and if that's a bit of an argument on the training pitch, that happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I think let's, let's cut him that slack because you find me an 18-year-old who with all these numbers talking about is not going to have you know, a moment where his head gets a little bit fuzzy <laughs> so um yeah i i don't think he's going to be going down the 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 nicholas Anelka route i think he's he's too sensible i'm hoping that there's enough sensible people around him as well to prevent that so um for the time being i'm i'm cutting him that 
the official Richard Allen cutting of some, some slack. <laughs> and he thanks you for it. Yes, <laughs> uh, and I can confirm, even at Sunday league level, at 30-plus-year-olds, still have tantrums. I can confirm that much as well. Um, so, yeah, even at this age. And I don't pay them, trust me. They pay me. But, yeah, completely agree with you. Um, any, other, any other questions? Um, if not, I've got a very short one to finish with. Anybody else ask us anything else different? Um, to be honest, the only thing, the other thing, was just, the other thing that was, was, was touched upon is to, after starting so strongly, whether Saint-Étienne do actually have a chance of getting a result at PSG. I know we've talked about the match um, earlier in the podcast, but it's whether, whether we think Saint-Étienne can come away with, with a point, maybe even all three. No, for me. I think they'll finish in, Europe, in the European places this season, by the way, but I don't think they get anything from PSG. For, personally, no. No. Sadly not. Yeah. No, no, really can't see it. Hopefully I'm wrong. It'd be nice for the league, but no. It's Sorry, tough to see. I, I, I could I could see them I could see them getting a point. If only because PSG won't have come up like a, a against the team quite like Santetian so far this season. Maybe early doors, PSG uh, sorry, Santetian can just give them that you know, offer something a little bit different which just catches PSG off guard maybe it's going to be a very tough ask but I, I could make a slim case for a point but yeah I mean for the, for the most part it, it should be a PSG win oh. um, just a, a, a thanks to um, Gregory McLeod and at LL Allenard for those questions this week lovely thank you uh, thank you chaps and um, <clears throat> excuse me my um my final question to to you both, <clears throat> excuse me, is give me three names that uh, you think will be the three big names to leave France in the close of this window. So, as in the three, we've still got what a week or so to go. So, three three big names, and you can't say Mbappe because that's too obvious. Uh, so, three three names that are going to leave French shores to go to Premier League, Serie A, wherever before the window. Rich, what do you reckon? Um, immediately, I could probably give you two. I think I do think um, Fabinho will go. Actually, I probably could give you. I could probably give you my three. Actually, I could, get, could say I think Fabinho will go. I think Seri will go, and I think Di, Di Maria will go. Really? I no. think PSG may look at this is the last chance they're really going to have to cash in. Um, and if they are going to be going for Fabinho, if they are going to be going for Mbappe, they're certainly going to need to be showing some willingness that they're going to be bringing some money in as well as spending hundreds of millions of pounds. And Di Maria, for me, seems the obvious saleable asset um, that could bring in still a figure to, you know, sort of 40 mil plus maybe. Yeah. You know, if it's that move to China, for example. It's him or Draxler, isn't it? And you can't see them parting with Draxler at this stage, surely. Um, I know a lot of Liverpool fans and a few Arsenal fans have got a bit excited, but I just can't see them getting rid of him this, this early. Seems madness with that, with that age on his side as well. The, as you say, the resale value surely will go higher on Draxler than it will on Di Maria. But interesting choices, um, very much so. Any different choices, Phil? Do you, do you concur with Rich there? Or do you agree there on those? Yeah, things? I think Sammy's looking more and more likely Di Maria does i mean you've got to think that psg will maybe move other people out as well but whether they constitute b 
big in terms of you know the kind of level we're talking about now i think i think those are that's, those seem the, the three most likely like i say i don't really i try not i try to avoid the transfer window and all the rumors and everything because it just depresses me i support a selling club so it's <laughs> depressing um so but yeah it looks like the seri deal um seems to be edging ever closer if barcelona managed not to screw this one up mm. um but uh yeah it'll be and it'll be a pity to see um Sarri and Fabinho certainly um certainly move on um young players who've really really come into their own in in league and particularly Surrey playing for a maybe a less fashionable team but i mean he deserves to step up with the the quality he's got so you know good luck to him it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does wherever he ends up yeah, oh, yeah so, I so, Serge Aurier is probably the other one as well yeah he was uh, on he was on my list i must admit yeah yeah uh, you know the 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 fact that they can still command such a, you know, I think 25 million is the latest rumoured fee. The fact that they can command that for a player who's barely played, and who's caused so much aggro away from the pitch. And may yeah. legally not be allowed to kind of move to come in the country. country. So yeah. I, that's still up in the air. I mean, that just, I kind of didn't mention him because cannot work out what is going on there uh, apart no. from anything else. So... I, I think I, I think I agree with your with your names. I will chuck one into the melting pot. Um, I do think, like you say, Seri and, and Fabinho seem likely to move. I still have a sneaking suspicion that, well, maybe it's more hope than than the judgment. But I still have a sneaking suspicion that Monaco might be tempted to cash in on Lamar. Um, I, I just have a feeling that, particularly, have a look out for Arsenal's result at Anfield at the weekend. If it all goes a little bit wrong, um, I, I think there might be quite a few, um, quite a few natives of North London crying out for large signings, and I just wonder if that might nudge the club into uh, going back in for for Lamar. I, I may be wrong. I've got nothing specific to substantiate that, but I just wonder if Monaco might be tempted, and maybe the player himself. I think he agreed uh, during the summer that, that the opportunity if it came he would take it mm. um, I just wonder if the fee was good enough would Monaco go you know what we might as well um, I think that, I think the, 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 the strong thing for Monaco is with, with Lamar they've got a player who is guaranteed not to cause any problems mm. if he doesn't get the move he isn't going to kick off he's not going to hide away he's not going to not perform he's not going to not turn up he's not going to cause any problems whatsoever he will still knuckle down, play hard and play well. So they know that they've got that if the move doesn't come off. But I think Monaco have been very clear that with these players, they have a figure. Monaco, I think, will be telling these clubs that are coming in, sniffing around, this is where we're valuing this player. You, you bid this level, we'll talk. You bid below that, nothing. No thank you, we'll ignore you. So I'm not sure whether that figure for Lamar, that figure for Lamar will have gone up. The Neymar deal and the numbers from Mbappe will drive the market sky high. So I'm just wondering, are those clubs not coming in? Because I don't think Monaco would have a problem in selling. It's just you've got to be you've got to be pieing at the right level. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And there are a few 
particularly Premier League sides that have got an awful lot of money burning holes in pockets. So we shall uh, we shall wait and see. Um, we will, of course, cover the, the, the close of the Liga transfer window when that uh, day comes. We'll cover it on the, the pod sort of following the transfer window. I'm sure we'll talk some of the deals, ins and outs. And uh, yeah, I think I think there'll be... Uh, I have this horrible feeling there'll be a lot of um, Liga sides lower down that will be pillaged by yeah. uh, desperate sides looking, particularly in England. It's always the way, isn't it? Um, desperately trying to trying to bolster their squads with a few gambles, so it would be a shame if that happens. But I I think we all think it will happen. So oh well, never mind. Well, that uh, that will do it for this week then uh, for the uh, the sort of the new look French Football Weekly. Uh, thank you all very very much for tuning in. Um, as uh, as with every podcast, I'm sure uh, we welcome your uh, your feedback. Um, positive is always nicer than negative, but if you've got anything negative, then we'll take it on board. So please do drop us a line, uh, tweet the guys or, or myself, um, and we will do our best to take those ideas moving on forwards. Uh, and I think the plan is to record this time roughly most weeks as isn't it once we once we're in a bit of a rhythm i think that's the general general plan yep so uh so there you go you can mark us in your diaries boys and girls uh tune in each week and yeah get those questions in if you follow a team that uh, is under the radar a bit do let us know who you follow and why because we'd like to get some of those stories uh linked into the pod so thank you very much for listening uh, my thanks to phil and rich for of course inviting me onto the good ship ffw and for joining me this evening so thank you very much to both of you thank you thanks very much and as ever as we said earlier please do give us a follow at french ft weekly uh, tweet us your thoughts and we'll be back next weekend until then enjoy your french football <laughs>